This podcast contains potentially adult language, adult themes, definitely drinking, and possibly sexual context. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to Drinking with Authors, the literary briefs edition. Now, with. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> I have to I ask the question: is there, also, is there also a literary boxers podcast, or is that yes, a- no, and no. a literary song podcast, yes. and a literary hipster? We we, we talk happening. about getting a sponsor that actually does underwear for this. <laughs> that would be very appropriate. <laughs> they they I wearing sponsor this. any podcast. Let them. They will. Okay, so this is the literary brief edition. I am your host Erica Lance, and with me today is my co-host is. Valerie Willis. Okay. And Val, do you want to introduce our guest? Our guest is Keith DeCandido. Dido. DeCandido. DeCandido. I gave you like an entire hour to memorize that. It's it's not that I I could spell it all day long. Uh, Hey, that that puts you one up on most people. So (laughs) we're gonna talk about what we're drinking because you have been so i have I in, case that is a, in case that is an incredibly obvious yes <laughs> kettle one botanical vodka spritz not spritzer spritz. spritz and this one is um it's made with vodka botanicals and natural flavors and sparkling water and the, I'm listing that because that I don't know what botanicals. It's like they put grass in it or something. It just reminds um, me of Herbal Essence shampoo commercial. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> orange blossom, not actual orange, but orange blossom. Val, what are you drinking? <laughs> I have I have what little is left of my Irish coffee with Captain Morgan. That is not Irish coffee. because <laughs> I don't know what it is. Coffee and rum? I don't know. It's coffee with... It's spiked coffee. There we go. Yeah, because you do realize the Irish weren't like, let's drink coffee. <laughs> this is why I, when I go to your house, I have you make the drinks because I, I don't drink. I don't know what I'm doing. I, I'm very well aware of that. <laughs> uh, I am drinking a red wine, a Rioja called Her Name is Rioja which uh, has the retro 1980s Duran Duran style label on it because we are ridiculous. Uh, it was put together by The Crew, which is a group of uh, group of people, some of whom are uh, fellow authors of mine, including David Mack, Aaron Rosenberg, Jennifer Purcell Rosenberg, Alana C. Meyer, um, Glenn Hellman, and some others I'm forgetting because I've been drinking for a while, um, as well as other folks who are not actual uh writers but are associated with publishing or we're married to people in publishing or whatever um, we, we put together a new wine every year and um and this year it is uh the full monty right yes yeah, so it's a multiple channel that we called the full monty because again puns i cannot i'm gonna i'm gonna be emailing you about this i'm excited okay so this is rapid fire questions you ready no but go ahead okay good <laughs> um what is your favorite book of all time frankenstein by mary shelley Uh, it captivated me when I first read it in college and it's, it's pretty much the forerunner of the entire science fiction genre. Um, the, uh, it, it, and it's, it does a wonderful job of both capturing 
the romantic literature ideal of the power of nature uh, and also subverting it in a lot of different ways and, and questioning it. Um, and also she wrote it when she was 18 and it's fucking awesome. So, um, but it's, it's, you know, it's, it, I, I love the story of Mary Shelley's life and I love the story of Frankenstein in particular. Um, just the, 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 the depth of, of the creator um, completely screwing up their own creation. Um, and uh, the, the, the fact that actions have consequences. Um, and that's something that I've always been interested in my fiction is the consequences of actions. And, and Frankenstein embodies that in so many ways. So. Do you, does it drive you nuts when people screw up the Frankenstein, Frankenstein's monster thing? Nah, I'm over that. Um, mostly, mostly I'm just, I'm waiting for there to be a good adaptation of the novel. Um, there have been some great movies done based on it, but it, there hasn't been a good straight up adaptation of the original novel. What, what especially irritates me is the best, the, the version of the monster that is closest to what Mary Shelley wrote is in, of all places, the incredibly terrible 2004 Hugh Jackman movie, Van Helsing. Um, the, the, the version of Frankenstein's monster in that is phenomenally good. Um, and I can't remember the name of the actor off the top of my head who played him, but he just did an amazing job. I'm actually like looking on the internet. You Google it now to solve that particular yeah, because right he, was, he was incredibly good. Um, uh, Shuler Hensley, uh, who was who was perfect. That was that was the only time I recognized Mary Shelley's monster on screen, and that includes the movie Mary Shelley's Frankenstein that Kenneth Branagh directed. Um, and I am abject in my love of Kenneth Branagh as a director, but he screwed the pooch on that one in so many ways. Um, you could always write that screenplay. Oh, sure, and use all my Hollywood connections to get it made. Yeah, that'll work. Okay. Yeah. Well, we're. Yes. I, will, I will. I will make use. Uh, I will make use of all my Hollywood connections, of which I have none. <laughs> okay. So, what is your least favorite book you've ever read? Uh, I'd rather not say. Um, I don't like to slag other authors, even ones who are bad at it. Do, do you? Are you like a do not finish if it's bad, or do you force yourself to finish it? Usually, I don't finish. Like if it's a book I don't like, and there are some books that I just don't like. Like for example, I didn't like Phil Pullman's His Dark Materials. I recognize that it's a good piece of work. I just didn't like it, and so I stopped reading. Um, for that matter, I never read beyond the first Harry Potter book. I. Um, I read the first book. I thought it was fine. It didn't do a lot for me. I, I understand and appreciate its place in literary history. I understand that it did a lot to get kids to read uh, throughout the late 90s and early 2000s. Um, but it just never did anything for me. Um, and, 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 but that's, that's my own thing. That's not, you know, um, that doesn't mean that they're bad works. It's just not for me. Um, exactly. But I'd, I'd really, actually, no. Now that I've said that, I, there's one book I'm perfectly happy to say is a terrible book. It was a book called The Pleistocene Redemption, and I can't even remember the author's name, but it was a self-published book from the from the 1990s that was just really bad. Yeah. And he like, and the author like sent it around to like everybody in Sifwa to try to get it a Nebula nomination. Um, oh wow! Yeah, and it was incredibly bad. Well, and so what? What pushes you out of a story? What will be the thing that like instantly you're like, and I'm done? 
Um, characters I don't care about. That's the biggest one. I, I, I need to be invested in the characters. Um, you know, one of, to, to give a more positive example, one of the reasons why I love pretty much every Star Trek series has been, and everything, and even the Star Trek series I don't like as much as some of the others, I'm still invested in the characters. I'm still interested in the characters. The characters are people I care about what happens to them. Um, and that's the thing that I really need. It's one of the reasons why I never liked Seinfeld, for example. Um, oh. these, these were people I didn't really give a shit about. Um, and if I'm not invested in the fate of the characters, I'm not going to be interested. Um, no, I, I think that makes perfect sense. Yeah. What about like your writing? What do you, do you have a particular sort of thing you have to look out for? You were, you do editing. You've been an editor a long time, but I feel like a, a lot of writers have particular things, whether or not you put a little posting on your computer or to go bad habits, say that, or, or, or yeah. Find and replace that. Um, there, there are words I tend to get fond of and overuse. Uh, I overuse M dashes way too much. Um, and I don't put in enough description. And that's still a problem. I need to, I, I my, my books sometimes suffer from white room syndrome where everybody's in, in, a, in a blank white room, you know, <laughs> because I haven't actually described it. Um, those are, those are probably my biggest, my biggest failings. I don't know. I almost feel lack of description is not quite as bad as over-describing something. I've seen. Well, they're, they're both bad for different reasons. They're, yeah. They're trying to hit a happy medium. There. Yeah. yeah. No, totally. Yeah. Okay. So, um, Val, what is your rapid fire question with your drinking this? <laughs> Wait. What's your favorite urban legend or cryptid? Oh, God. Um, my favorite urban legend, just because it's so ridiculous, is. Um, and I actually, back in 1997, uh, the late Joseph Sherman and I co-edited an anthology of stories based on various urban legends. Um, and probably my two favorite are, because one, one I, I, I learned from my ex-wife, who was a scuba diver, um, is, is the idea that they find the charred corpse of a scuba diver in a forest fire. Um, I remember because, that. Yes. Because there's a forest fire and there are these helicopters with scoops and they will scoop water out of the ocean and dump it on the forest fire. And they accidentally scooped up a scuba diver and dumped them on the forest fire. Um, And the other one is um, uh, when I was a kid, Bubble Yum uh, came out and Bubble Yum had like little streaks of sugar in it that looked like spider eggs. And so there was a whole legend going on that there were actual spider eggs in the bubble yum, and that if you were not careful, the spider eggs would hatch and eat you alive from inside, eat your mouth alive from inside. So, oh, it sounds like it. It should be worthy of a garbage pail kid stare. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh, I remember garbage pail kids. And and as for cryptid, my favorite is currently the Jersey Devil, just because it's making me money right now. So. <laughs> the Jersey Devil is it's fun and it's a very Americanized one. Uh, oh, it's, yeah, completely, yeah. and 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 I love I love the fact that they've actually named a hockey team after it. You know, right? My I, the the my my two favorite sports team names are the the, the Jersey Devils and the Baltimore Ravens, just because oh, the right. idea that they've they've the the a football team named after an Edgar Allan Poe poem is just completely ridiculous. Um, what about um the uh like ghosts and stuff like that? We didn't talk a lot about paranormal stuff in that regard cryptids is one okay. thing what about ghosts what about ghosts have you written a lot about ghosts 
Uh, well, one of the one of the main characters in the Cassie Zukov stories is the ghost of an old record captain. Um, one of my supernatural novels, which also takes place in Key West, uh, is entirely about a demon supercharging various ghosts on the island, including the ghost of Ernest Hemingway, the ghost of Mel Fisher, the ghost of Harry S. Truman. Um, so yeah, ghosts, ghosts are fun to play with. Um, you believe in ghosts? God, no, but uh, I don't believe in gods either, and I write about them a lot, too. Well, um, it doesn't mean you can't write about I don't it. believe in magic, and I write about that. Um, <laughs> don't have to fun. believe in it to write about it. Um, what do you I'll think is your... Uh, we talked about a bad habit. What is your uh, best trait you think as a writer? What do you do well as a writer? Uh, character voices. And, and I'm saying that partly based on what other people have said about my writing. And I think it's one of the reasons why I've been able to navigate so many different universes uh, is, is I make it, and, I, and, and it's, it's a conscious effort on my part, and I, and I seem to be good at it, is getting the voices of the characters right. Um, do you go uh, back and read your previous work? I do for research purposes. Um, like, if I'm going to write a new precinct book, I go back and read all the other previous precinct books so I can get the universe in my head. Um, plus sometimes I'll have seeded something. It's like, oh yeah, I got to pick up on that. Um, cause I forget cause I've written so many things and because I'm old and feeble. Um, but, uh, <laughs> no. uh so yeah, I, I'll do that. Um, for those, for that purpose. Do you, oh, I had a question. It was right there. Where, where yes, did it you go, Erica? What were you thinking before that? Oh, no, it was you meeting other authors because you, you know a lot of authors. You've been in the business a while. And, a little um, bit, yeah. Yeah, just like a few minutes. About or so. 30 years. Yeah, whatever, whatever, 30 minutes, 30 years. <laughs> um, what, what is it like meeting people you are a fan of? It's interesting. I Because I started out as an editor, I was working with lots of people. Most of the time, it's not that big a deal. Um. There are only two instances where I've turned into a drooling fan goober. Um, one was when I met Ursula Le Guin. Oh. Which was at a reader con in sometime in the 90s. Um, I want to say 94, 95, thereabouts. Um, uh, Le Guin is, is one of my absolute heroes. Um, she, is, she is both one of my biggest influences as a fiction writer and as a nonfiction writer. Um, her, her essays are just brilliant. Dancing on the Edge of the World is a collection of her essays and it's one of my Bibles. Um, and when I met her, I just made a complete drooling fucking idiot of myself. Um, the other one, and, and I love this story because it was just, it was hilarious. Um, I, I was joking before about how I have no Hollywood connections. That's not really true. I know a bunch of screenwriters um, and a few producers. Um, but uh, one, one person I'm friends with is Ashley Edward Miller, who has worked on things like Andromeda, Fringe, uh, Thor, X-Men First Class, a bunch of others. And um, Ash introduced me to Robert Meyer Burnett. Robert Meyer Burnett is, among other things, the director of Free Enterprise, which is one of my favorite movies. Um, Free Enterprise is a movie that came out in 1999 and features a couple of Star Trek fans who are based on, on uh, Robert himself and Mark Altman. And um, uh, and they actually get to meet William Shatner, and Shatner plays this ridiculous version of himself, and it's hilarious. But I, I love this movie because I, I watch this movie, and it's like it's like they followed me and my friends around and, and did a movie about them. Um, and so I love that movie so much. And Ash Ash introduces me to Robert Meyer Burnett, 
And I'm going like, oh my God, I love free enterprise. One of my favorite things. And Robert is not paying any attention to this because he's too busy fangoobering me because he's read my Star Trek novel articles of the Federation and he loves it and he thinks it's one of the best Star Trek books ever written. So he's going on and on and on about how much he loves my work. So we're fangoobering each other and Ash is just standing there smiling, you know. <laughs> that is awesome. That that is but no, I've, I've met lots of people who've worked I've admired, but most of them it's been on a professional level and they're just people, you know, and, and I mean, it's been great to work with them in some cases. Um, you know, Pete, like for example, Peter David went from somebody whose work I loved uh, to somebody who's become a good friend. I was, I was at his wedding, you know, um, you know, he's, he's, he's become a very good friend over the years. Um, uh, well, you know, other people, uh, who become writers I've admired. Um, David Mack was, is one of my closest friends. He's turned into a great writer, but I, I knew him before that, you know? Um, and, uh, you know, there's, there's lots of people whose work I've admired, who I've gotten to work with, or I've become friends with, and it's been great. It's one of the things I love about the life I've, I've gotten to lead. Um, I've gotten to work, I, I got to work with Stan Lee. And that, um, that's amazing. Yeah, uh, when we were doing the Marvel project that I was talking about before. Um, we, uh, Stan, Stan was the editor of the anthologies we did, which in real terms meant he wrote an introduction for each one. Um, and then, uh, but, but putting his name on the cover helped sell the books, obviously. Um, but it was, it was great to work with. Um, what, what I especially loved about working with Stan was that wasn't an act. He was really like that. Um, he, and, and he had a great work ethic too. He never was late with anything he had to do for me. Um, he always hit his deadlines. In fact, sometimes he was early. Um, he had a phenomenal work and he was so much, he was, he enjoyed, he enjoyed his life. He enjoyed what he did. There was, a uh, at the San Diego Comic-Con and I want to say 1996, um, we took him out to dinner because Byron did a lot of work with Stan over the years. Um, not just, not just the Marvel books. And, uh, we took him and his wife out to dinner and we're sitting there. Is Stan spending this business dinner talking to his publisher, his editors, any of that? No. He is spending it with Byron's then eight-year-old daughter playing with the action figures she had just bought on the floor that ah. day. That's how he spent his business dinner. That is amazing. Um, yeah. Um, I, I, getting, getting to work with Stan is another one of those things that was like, that made it all worthwhile. <laughs> well, you know, it, it's something, it's interesting you say that because I was even today, uh, my day job, I work doing HR and I give this talk that my team keeps setting me up to give the same talk to all these different groups. They're like, you got to keep giving this talk. And one of the things I always talk about is that um, in life, when you get to the end of whatever your life is, right, what you have is your memories. You That's what you get to take with you. Regardless of anything else, you get to take your memories with you. And what do you want those to be? Because your memory doesn't need to be you slaved, you know, 80 hours a week for a job you hated, blah, blah, blah. It's not a memory you want to have. And, you know, hearing your stories I go, here's a guy who has got this full, full bucket of wow. memories to pull out of, which is amazing. And I think when you get to do something you love and you enjoy and you're passionate about and you can create, you get these memories by default, you know? Meeting all the cool people, every author, you know, I've been very fortunate. We're actually coming up in a few episodes on the 200th episode of this show, right? Wow. And so I've gotten to meet so many amazing authors like yourself and I get to nerd out. I, I look cool, calm and collective. 
unlike some people. No. Gonna That's why she likes dragging the rest of us on, me and the editors, because we'll geek out so she doesn't have to. <laughs> I'm geeking out. I just do it in a more professional way. Yeah. Slightly more pro professional. <laughs> Very professional. But yeah. I, it's, it's just amazing to meet people who are ju they're just, you're just people. That's yeah. the coolest part. Like you're not getting on a show and I'm, you know, talking to uh, you and you're going, let me be stuffy. Here's the only things I'm going to answer. Blah, 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 blah. Cause I'm like, that's not fun. It's yeah. so amazing. One, one of the, it, it's, it's always interesting in particular because I've met a lot of actors at, at various conventions and things. Um, and the ones that stick with you are the ones who are, who are genuinely interested in what they do and in, in talking to the fans and, and who have also invested in their characters to, to some extent. Um, I remember one time I was, uh, did a radio show with Keith Hamilton Cobb, who played uh, Tyrion Asazi on Andromeda back in the, in the early 2000s. And he was incredibly thoughtful. He had, he had given a considerable amount of thought to what his character was and, and what his character's motivations were and why he did what he did. Uh, and it was just fascinating. And then, you know, there are other actors who are like, yeah, it was a job, whatever. And that's fine. You know, that, that um, you know, uh, and, and it, but it's always interesting, you know, the different ways people approach it. Um, but it's, and, you know, and it's, it's like you said, they're people, these are people doing a job and some people love their job and some people don't, but um, you know, and, and I, and I know I've been fortunate. I've been, I've been very fortunate to get to work with some wonderful people. Um, work on some wonderful franchises. I mean, I got to, uh, one, one, one of those memories you mentioned, um, I've, because I've done a lot of Star Trek work and I've done a lot of Farscape work, um, two people who, I mean, calling them friends is perhaps stretching it a bit, but at least good, you know, decent acquaintances uh, are Armin Shimmerman, who played Quark on Deep Space Nine, uh, and Principal Snyder on Buffy, and Ben Browder, who uh, was the star of Farscape. And um, there was one time I was at a convention and it was the first. It was one of the first conventions I'd gone to with the woman who, to whom I am now married, Ren. Um, and there was a Meet the Pros party, and I, Ben Browder, was one of the guests, and he and I hadn't seen each other in a while, so we're talking, we're catching up on stuff. And meanwhile, Armin is talking to Ren, and he's quizzing her like he's my uncle, you know, to make sure <laughs> she's good enough for me, you know. Um, <laughs> And, and Red said it was one of the most surreal experiences of her life to have Principal Snyder basically, you know, quizzing uh, <laughs> her about that. Because, yeah, I mean, because, you know, he's not in makeup, so he looks like Principal Snyder. He looks like himself. You know? so, um, but that was that was that was fun. Um, you know, there's a lot of of really cool people I've, I've gotten to meet, you know, particularly in the convention circuit. Um, you know, Aaron Eisenberg, for example, became a good friend. I was really sorry when he when he passed away a couple of years ago. Um, he was a great guy. He and I talked about writing some books together and it never, never happened, unfortunately. Um, for that matter, another, another one we lost, uh, Jerry Doyle from Babylon 5. I will never, ever forget him at a bar in Indiana in 2001 lecturing me at great length about the evils of drunk driving when he himself was incredibly drunk. <laughs> of course. Yes. <laughs> Oh my goodness. But it's, it's interesting you say, because you, you know, you get invested in the characters. And I think a lot of people as writers and actors or whatever, fans get invested in the characters. Like they can love your work, but especially when it's 
fiction work and stuff, they're getting invested in those characters and the fate. And I think, you know, when you're writing and you're able to be creative and you're able to create the, the worlds and everything that um, people are going into, when you have an actor that you run into and you're really invested in, Oh my God, you love this character and this character made a difference or something, or you wrote a character and the person's kind of like, you know, it, it's disappointing because it's so significant to you. Yeah. And that's, that's one of the things I've, I've gotten that a few times when people have, have said that something I wrote had an effect on them. One of my favorites, I mentioned uh, Articles of the Federation, which is my Star Trek West Wing pastiche about, about a year in the life of the Federation president. There is one person who basically decided to pursue a career in politics because of that book. Oh, wow. wow. Um, that, that's a huge compliment. Yeah. Yeah. That blew yeah. my mind. Still blows my mind 15 years later. Um, and, and it, you know, it was, it was an incredible thrill and, and really flattering. And that's, that's the sort of thing that makes it worthwhile. I mean, you know, awards are nice, you know, good reviews are nice, but that's, that's the sort of thing that's like, okay, that's why I do this. Well, that, that stays with you. I mean, obviously you do this, it's a living, we want to make a living doing it. We want it, you know, but it's that impact and having those interactions and having that impact with a fan I'm sure yeah. you've had other fans come up to you about parts of your work that you go, yes. Yeah. Right. A few. Yeah. Most of them. It's like, wow, that book sucked. No, but, um, do, do they speak in a Fozzie voice like that when they come up? Sometimes. Yeah. If you don't that's, like that's, his books, come I'm, up I'm being self, I'm being <laughs> self-deprecating, but, uh, no, lot, I, lots of people like I've had just, um, um, as we record this, I am recently back from GalaxyCon in Raleigh, and and I had three different people who came up to me just for the express purpose of saying how much they loved my work, um, and and how much they enjoyed it, and 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 they appreciated being able to tell me that in person, um, which which was great. You know, it's 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 really satisfying to know that you know the stuff the the art that you create can touch people. Absolutely, exactly. Do you still game? By the way, you mentioned gaming. Do you still game? No, but only because I don't have time. Um, yeah, I used to game a lot. He list of books he's about to come out with. <laughs> yeah, um, and it's funny because I still write fiction based on games. I, I've done some stuff for uh, the Star Trek role-playing game that Modiphius is doing. Uh, I wrote for their Klingon Empire supplement, and uh, I wrote at least a draft of a, of a module that may or may not get published. Uh, I'm not very good at writing games. But... Um, but I've written fiction based on Resident Evil, based on Dungeons and Dragons, based on World of Warcraft, based on Starcraft, Command and Conquer. Um, for that matter, uh, my Alien novel was based on a video game. It was a novelization of the Alien Isolation game. Um, oh. And uh, I mean, I added a lot of material to it, but it was it was basically a novelization of the game. And um, and and the, like I said, the characters of Torin and Danthris from from the Dragon Precinct series are are RPG characters. Um, that I played when I was younger. I just don't have time. Um, no, you know, I mean, the, the, you know, we're going to list it again on this particular version of the podcast on what's coming up for you. If you still feel like listing them, I can see why you don't have time. You know, I, as a gamer, and we've recently started during the pandemic playing a game again, mm-hmm. and I realized how much from a creative standpoint, I missed it. Like, cause it's, you know, a role-playing game, a true role-playing game, you have so much imagination that gets to go into that game, you know? She just hates it cause I'm a merchant princess. Shut up about your damn merchant princess. Nobody cares. <laughs> no. 
Literally, nobody cares. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, oh, oh my goodness. Half an hour past again. Value the final rapid fire question. Oh, I get the final one? You've got to think about it. No pressure. No. <laughs> this is, okay, you've written for a huge, 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 huge list of franchises and licensed content. Which one is your, your favorite? Oh, you can't do I, that. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to withdraw that question. No, no, no. It's okay. I have three answers to that question because that's the best I can do. That's um, fine. That's fair. Top three. Uh, Star Trek, <laughs> because I have literally been watching Star Trek since birth. Um, Star Trek has been part of my life for as long as I've been alive. I've, I've been, I grew up watching it. Um, it still remains uh, one of my absolute favorite uh, science fiction universes. Um, I absolutely adore it, and um, and I, and I'm I'm loving the fact that it's it's having a renaissance now with so many different new shows on Paramount Plus, um, and and the fact that I've gotten to work in it, and, and I've done some of my best work, honestly, in the Star Trek universe. So I'd have to say that is one. Um, Farscape for another, just because I love the show and because I got to do so much with it. Um, the comic books that I wrote with Rockney O'Bannon were the basically the fifth season of the show. And, um, and that was a huge honor and a huge amount of fun to do. Um, and, and also the novel I wrote, the first game novel I wrote back in 2001 called House of Cards, which is the first time I wrote a tie-in novel where the creator of the show walked up to me, did this, and said, you got it. Nice. It incredibly gratifying. Um, and then the third one would be Marvel. Um, because, again, I also grew up uh, reading Marvel comics. Uh, Spider-Man has been my favorite superhero since I was a little kid and was watching The Electric Company, which was a kid's show in the 1970s that uh, licensed the right to use Spider-Man for some stories. And, uh, and I love Spider-Man there. I started reading Spider-Man comics. My first short story and my first novel were both Spider-Man. Um, I love the character incredibly much. And uh, being able to write him uh, and write other Marvel characters as well. I've written the X-Men, Silver Surfer, Thor... Um, the Hulk, and and it's been wonderful. I just I, I I adore those heroes so much, and always have. So it'd be a tie among those three. That's awesome. Now I have to ask you because you gave up your favorite superhero. Who's your favorite captain? Ah, uh, you did. You you listed your favorite. You superhero. you are opening the door for this question. I, I assume you mean on Star Trek. Yeah. Um, I'm going to cheat and say the one I created, Captain David Gold from the Starfleet Corps of Engineers series that I edited between 2000 and 2007. That is cheating. That is yeah, it's so absolutely cheating, but it's true. Shameless plug. You should give him kudos. Don't we yes, Captain, Captain Gold was the captain of the Starfleet Corps of Engineers <laughs> ship, the USS Da Vinci. Um, we, 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 did, we did a monthly ebook series between 2000 and 2006, actually, um, where uh, we chronicled the adventures of the Starfleet Corps of Engineers who fly throughout the galaxy, fixing, solving the world's problems and fixing what's broken throughout the universe. Um, and Captain Gold was basically Sherman Potter from the TV show MASH, only Jewish. So, um, <laughs> awesome. and, uh, and, and he was a wonderful character and I loved writing him. I loved the way other people wrote him. I edited that series for, for Simon and Schuster and I wrote several uh, ebooks in the series. In fact, um, I, I've been doing since the, the the apocalypse started last year. Um, I've been doing a YouTube channel called Crad COVID Readings, 
And um, I was reading all my short fiction and that took me through 2020. And then for 2021, what I've been doing is reading my Starfleet Corps of Engineers stories, which are all novella length. I've been reading them in installments every, every Tuesday, every Trek Tuesday. Um, and I've been going through all the Starfleet Corps of Engineers stories. And the one that's uh, going throughout August of, of 2021 is a story called Breakdowns, where we get to meet Captain Gold's extended family because he's got a huge family. Um, and and, I, and I, I adore that character. If you're going to make me choose among the ones on television... I'm going to. I was letting uh, you the end. This sounded riveting. I love the character idea, but I am going to make you choose one from the It's really hard to decide between Picard and Cisco. Um, who are two completely different characters, which is why it's so hard to because they're, um, but they're both wonderful in different ways. What is the most? I, 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 I've got to ask this because I actually was talking about an episode to interns at my job the the other day, and they didn't <laughs> even get the reference because they're very young. But what is your favorite episode from Star Trek? Hmm. Um. It's, it's an odd choice because it doesn't stand on its own, but that's what I like about it. Uh, Deep Space Nine episode called Tacking Into the Wind, which was one of the last, one of the final bunch of episodes they did that ended the Dominion War. Because that story um, built on, or what was, was the culmination of about 10 years worth of stories involving both Klingon politics and the relationship between the Bajorans and the Cardassians. There were two plots in that episode, one involving Worf, who basically kills Gowron uh, in a duel and is made chancellor, but then sort of passes it on to Martok instead. And then uh, Kira going on a mission where she's helping the Cardassian underground because they're trying to get out from under the Dominion's thumb. And what I love about that episode is that it, it, it ties together so many different stories from two TV shows. There's, there's basically stuff going all the way back to the third season of Next Generation in some cases, all the way through through all of Next Generation and through all of Toothpaste Nine, all the way up to the, all culminating in this one episode. Um, it's, it's my favorite for that reason. I wouldn't necessarily list it as the best episode, although I think it counts as one of the 10 best episodes of Trek. Um, but I love it because it so beautifully ties all those stories together. And it focuses on my two favorite characters in the franchise who are Worf and Kira. So... Wow. So the episode I was talking about, and I do not know the name of it, but it was one of, it stayed with me for a really long time, is an episode from Next Generation where there is a Q that wants to kill themselves. That's Voyager, not Next Gen. Voyager. No, yes. Picard was yeah. in that episode, wasn't he? Nope. It was Death Wish, and Riker had a brief appearance in it, which is probably why where the source of confusion was. Yeah, but no, that was that was Death Wish. It was a, a Voyager episode. Now I have to and there's a whole trial and everything. I thought crazy now. it, but it goes over you know this cue and how he talks about being the house and the dog and the wheat field. That one, I believe so. Yeah, yeah, and basically he's done all the things, so it's not it's not fun anymore. He doesn't want to do it. Yeah. Because he's yeah. done all the things, right? And now I'm going to have to go research this because I swear your heart's in it, but whatever. You're and, then, and then Q helps him kill him. And then our Q, John Delancey's Q, helps him kill himself. Yeah. And yeah. I love this episode because I tell people if you're at a job 
and you're not happy, it's because you've been the house and you've been the dog and you've been the right. cornfield. Like when you've done all those things, like I thought that analogy was great because it wasn't like he was like, I've been a king and I've been all these things. He took such simple things and went, but I did all these things and I just don't want to do them anymore. Yeah, no, that was that was a Voyager episode. Garrett Graham played the uh, the other cue. Yeah, no, love that impact. Now, now I feel just ridiculous because it's now I'm going to go find it. Voyager, but like I said, uh, Riker was in it, which which because he pulled Q pulled a bunch of people, different people from history, including Riker. Um, and and that you may have remembered that and thought it was an next gen episode. Yeah, because yeah. anyway. Also, the episode uh, itself like had nothing to do with Voyager at all. It was it was just about these the Q characters. It it you know. I love the, the Q characters. characters were barely relevant in it. So. Yeah, I I always saw the Q characters like <laughs> omni perfect characters. Like I'm gonna go do things, and yet he's a complete dick. Like, yes, <laughs> that was one of the things I loved about Q when he first saw him because it was like, okay, it's another you know higher being who's testing the Enterprise just like they did 14 times on the original series. But wow, he's an asshole. <laughs> yeah. Usually they're all ethereal and shit, you know. So you know, there are all these things, and he's like, "I'm gonna just yeah. come be a dick, and I'm gonna eat your yep. stuff, and I'm gonna leave." I, I I got to write a Q. One of my one of my Trek novels was a next generation novel called Q and A, which was pretty much the ultimate Q story. It was sort of explaining all of Q's previous appearances, and it was all a purpose to it. Um, and writing Q is so much fun. I'm he, I'm writing this a now. wonderful character. To write. Must, must I'm writing right now because. I love that character. So I like the most ridiculous characters and things because <laughs> he was so over the top. He was so well played. Oh, yeah. yeah. And it, you know, instead of being this ethereal, it's like just this ridiculous character that's like, how you doing? What are you guys up to? Oh, I don't like this. I'm going to go change everything you're doing right now. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So as we're nearing the end of the episode and I got a sidetracked, um, why don't you talk about what's uh, uh, coming out? You just had a New Jersey Devil novel, and, well, and that was called? That was called All the Way House. It's part of the Sistema Paradoxa series from the Neo Paradoxa imprint of Eastbeck Books. Um, it's a whole series of, of books about cryptids. Mine is about the Jersey Devil, and again, it's called All the Way House. Um, that's out now. Um, I've got an anthology coming out called Devilish and Divine, which has a urban fantasy short story in it about uh, various angels that... Uh, are competing for the uh, ability to card with kid. Um, currently out is a thriller called Animal, which is I wrote with Dr. Manish K. Batra, which is about a serial killer who targets people who harm animals. It's kind of like Dexter if PETA had created it. Um, and then coming out, coming out eventually, hopefully in early 2021, will be uh, my next Brown Gold book, which is called Feet of Clay. Feet spelled F-E-A-T. Uh, Phoenix Precinct, the next book in the uh, High Fantasy Police Procedural series that started with Dragon Precinct. Um, and also uh, Ragnarok in a Hard Place will be a short story collection featuring tales of Cassie Zukov, Weirdness Magnet, which are urban fantasy stories set in Key West, Florida. Oh um, and meanwhile, there's also, I'm still writing for Tor.com. I write uh, regularly for them about pop culture, including a Star Trek Voyager rewatch, reviews of uh, superhero movies and, and new Star Trek shows. Um, uh, I also, I should have mentioned this on the other podcast. I also have a Patreon. Um, uh, if you go to patreon.com slash crad, my initials K-R-A-D, um, I do TV reviews, movie reviews, cat pictures, um, excerpts from my works in progress. And my favorite version, which is vignettes featuring my original characters. Uh, I've been doing vignettes featuring the Dragon Precinct characters, the Brown Gold characters, Cassie Zukov characters, the Super City Cops characters. 
Um, once a month, I do I do a new vignette, and uh, that's been a fun way to do little side stories and stuff with the various characters. Um, and I'm also working on a comic book for Tokyo Pop that I can't talk about because I signed a non-disclosure agreement, but it's going to be really cool. When it happens. So. Awesome. And Same. as we've now noticed again, he's not busy at all. What's no, up? No, no, not at all. No. I want to thank you for being on this podcast. You are just thoroughly entertaining and amazing. And thank you for sharing many memories with us. Yes. <laughs> Incredibly jealous of your life right now. Um, so, in the great skinwalker thing, I'm going to work on that. No, just <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, I'm going to figure out how to do that. Anyway, thank you again for being on the show. Um, <laughs> I've been your host, Erica Lance. My co-host today has been... Valerie Willis. And we will see you guys next time. Take care. Salute.